Welcome back, hockey fans. Episode number 16 of the PhD Podcast. I am Mitch. I'll be leading you through everything that is Pittsburgh-based hockey here in our great corner of the state. Uh, we got a big show today. we got Gary Heeman calling in for the Robert Morris men who had a series in Sacred Heart this weekend at Webster Bank Arena. He'll recap that for us. Matt Mamros will not be here tonight. He has a uh, a little bit of an issue that doesn't let him to talk right now, but he'll be back next week. I'll be doing all of his Headwaters coverage for you today. We've got a couple really big things on the site. We're going to go over and discuss what we've been able to bring forth for you in the last week. Our PIHL coverage is in big full swing. I've got a couple uh, recaps, some information for you. Uh, I'm going to go over the Robert Morse women this past weekend, the big... Teddy Bear Toss game for autism uh, the in the series against Penn State, plus the skate afterwards is always a fun time. But we're going to get into all that in a little bit. Right now, we've got a little unfinished business to do uh, from last month, of course. I feel like there's something that I need to get off my chest. I don't know. Oh, yeah, the committee met, and we named our Bardownski player of the month and our bro zone goaltender of the month this year. And here they are. With six goals and four assists in double A, our Bardownski player of the month is Justin Adamski of Hampton. Justin started out the month against Moon with a goal and an assist in that game. One of those is a power play goal. And he was able to add on to that in a game against Armstrong. He put two goals and two assists on the board. And then against Greater Latrobe in a big game, big win over Latrobe for Hampton, was able to pull off a hat trick with an assist on top of that. In those three games, 10 points for Adamski to put him in a tie for the double-A lead in points. So our player of the month for the month of November is... Justin Adamski of Hampton. I will personally be handling the in-the-rink coverage for the uh, Bardowski and Brozone Players of the, of the Month. Whenever it comes around to it, I'll show up. I'll take care of the business that I need to and give you a little bit of coverage that I'm going to be out. Of course, I'm on hiatus right now. I announced that last week, but I will be back very soon. So, needless to say, I'm still intrigued and still involved Love to see it. So well, congratulations to Mr. Adamski of Hampton. Our Brozone Goaltender of the Month comes all the way from the Barrel Ice Complex in single A. And that is Joshua Ferry of the West Allegheny Indians. Joshua was able to compile a 3-0 and record in the month of November including wins over Fox Chapel, Meadville, and Freeport. He stopped 30 shots against Meadville on November 15th when I was in the rink in a 4-1 victory over Meadville and was able to compile a shutout against Fox Chapel. He's, he only allowed two goals in the entire month of November of those three games. He was able to stop 19 shots, 30 shots, and 18 shots in each of those contests. So... Joshua Ferry, our goaltender of the month for the month of November. Congratulations, Joshua. Once again, I will be in the rink to give 
the winner their prize. Uh, I'd like to thank all of our players out there for giving their best in the month. It was a great month for uh, that, and we were down to actually uh, a hard time deciding who was going to be our players of the month this month. So you guys did a wonderful job making our jobs a lot harder. I know we almost went to a, a fan vote on a runoff for the player of the month, but ultimately decided on Adamski because of the just the numbers that he put up in those games. And in AA, that's not easy. So if you want to be our player of the month, just go out there, be the best that you can be, play hard, and we will see you in the rink. Hopefully you'll be our December player of the month. Now we're going to step off and we're going to speak with Gary Heeman, our Robert Morris men's coverage. The Robert Morris headed off to Sacred Heart this weekend in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And here we go. Gary Heeman is on now. All right, we are here with our Robert Morris men's Writer Gary Heeman, he's on the phone. Gary, how's it yes. going, buddy? Ah, can't complain. Wouldn't do much good if I, you know, did complain. So you know, no, it's been a good week. Um, you know, looking forward to getting back at back at the Colonials Arena this weekend for uh for you know a really good Holy Cross teams coming in here that you know will actually be hungry for a win. So a lot they they the boys find themselves in a in circumstances this week at home, not unlike they were on the road last week. Uh, a team that um you know is you know just like a lot of an Atlantic hockey right now can beat anybody on a, any given night. All right, now speaking of that uh, statement, uh, we had a series in Sacred Heart in in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut last weekend. Uh, let us let us know what happened last weekend. Well, you know what, uh, it was uh, the kind of weekend where you, you find out a little bit more about your team. They um they hadn't really been. Uh, you know, out for a, for a long roadie yet this year for a two game stretch that was a good length away from campus. So this was the first one for you know, you know the whole team and you know, the young freshman group that is becoming you know as, as Christmas time rolls around will not be freshmen anymore. Um, so it was a, a chance to find um, out about a few things about how they responded on the road. Overall, this was a weekend where they. Yeah, Learn what kind of start it's going to take in some of these games. Um, they did not get off to, you know, a quick start in either game. Um, they uh, you know, had a little bit of problem getting the puck to the net too. Only 19 shots for against um, on Friday night in a two to one loss at Sacred Heart. Uh, it is the first loss in program history to Sacred Heart, but you knew at some point that was going to happen. Um, you know, it wasn't going to last forever. And there had been a lot of close wins in all those, in that, that whole winning streak against Sacred Heart for the Colonials. So uh, this time, the uh, the home team and the Sacred Heart Pioneers take the win 2-1. to one. On Saturday night, the Colonials rebound. Uh, once again, not a, a great start, as Coach Cooley would tell me later on, but Michael Loria coming up with uh, some some big heroics in overtime. Where have we seen that one before? And um, <laughs> Colonials... Colonials find a way to pull it out with two minutes and 35 seconds into the overtime with a, a two-to-one victory to establish two points on the weekend um, to get their feet wet and, and you know, and experience what that really is like to, to go out on the road and, and how just, you know, everything has changed a little bit and um, your normal departure, your, your, I'm sorry, departure, your, your, normal, uh, your, your normal way of doing things is a bit, you know, changed and different mm -hmm. and, um, you know, for an extended period of time. 
um, you know, I think it's a, it, it brings up two things. Number one, that, you know, there's still a little bit of learning to do in what it takes to be a complete team. That wasn't going to happen overnight. But, you know, at the second, in the second part, we also brought up that anybody in Atlantic hockey can beat anybody. This, the way the parody has gone the last two or three years, Brian, I don't have to tell you, you've been there with us, yeah. um, you know, for the whole time. We've seen the middle and the, the, the top four, the middle four, and then the bottom three um, kind of have, you know, a, a class system. You know, when we were talking about maybe six, seven, eight years ago, that's just blended into one. Um, you know, because anybody can beat anybody in this conference. It, it, the weekend, they're most experienced against Sacred Heart. goes to show that um, it, the talent and the coaching is as good from one team to the next as it is in any conference in the NCAA Division I. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's tight. And, you know, I think that yeah, all, all the clones can look at a couple of things that are really great. Um, Francis Murat had a big weekend, a great weekend for the Colonials. Um, two goals against um, for the whole entire weekend. But his goals against average down, and he and the defense are in a good place. And number two, they overcame some players that were not in the lineup that were fairly big pieces, as um, as many had referred to earlier. There were some suspensions handed out at the second at the end of the second game against Mercyhurst the weekend before. Um, there were some one or two game spe- uh, suspensions this past weekend against Sacred Heart. There were players out of the lineup that are big pieces of the the puzzle for the Colonials, and they were able to to you know work through that and salvage two points on the weekend. Yeah, we're talking about that parity in the, the league and everything, and you were, you were mentioning the last couple years. I mean, you look at the, the this wide swath of teams that had have competed over the last four years in the Atlantic Hockey Tournament. You're talking teams like uh, Canisius, fin- when finishing first two years ago, and Mercyhurst last year. You didn't see those guys for a couple years. RIT's been in and out for a couple years. And that just leads, you know, you're lending into, hey, this is starting to develop into a uh, very, very solid conference now. Absolutely. Um, you look at, you know, what you used to call maybe some some sort of the bottom feeders of the um, of the conference. I mean, I, I hate to say that because everybody, you know, tries hard and, and there's some really great people in Atlanta hockey. But the one thing I do have to say is that I have to completely be honest with you. It's the Atlantic Hockey's going up forward, you know, into the standings and putting together a uh, kind of rebranding and rebuilding their program and then making it a top four program now, basically, which is what it looks like it is apparently going to be. Um, you know, you look at the success Bentley's been having. I mean, not always in you know the the, the playoffs, but in the regular season a lot. And then they've had some playoff successes too. They've taken Robert Morris, a, you know. Team that typically makes you know the, the frozen four within Atlantic hockey. How many years down the row? You know yeah. they've taken them. They've taken them to the limit. You know in playoffs and you know Sacred Hearts come through with some some surprising upsets. You know you look at the, the bottom of this conference. They're able to beat anybody, anybody here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that that whole class system of top four, middle four, and bottom three, it's gone away. I mean you're looking at any team right now that can just in one weekend, if Air Force stumbles twice, you know, you could be looking at a sixth place team leading the conference next weekend. All right. We're going to stay in conference. We're going to look a little bit ahead here and, um, Holy Cross coming to town this weekend. Yes. What do you got for us? 
Uh, what you got is a lot like a lot like Sacred Heart, actually. And the, the way that they are is that they have played close one-goal games or very very tight games virtually the entire season. Um, they gave Providence a very good game. Um, this is a team that knows, you know, that was going to have some challenges with a big graduating class, not unlike the Colonials did. So they're young in some places. Um, you know, Paul Barifato's not in the net anymore for them. He was a big reason that they were able to sorry about that they were able to maintain you know a winning team and a, a team that was you know a force to be reckoned with in the, in the playoffs mm-hmm. um, the colonial angled with them in the playoffs and were able to beat them but at the same time they were always there and if you know one play here one puck doesn't go in there or there um you're looking at a holy cross team that could have advanced um so mm-hmm. you know it's it's still got some pieces left defenseman's the defenseman spencer trap he's been you know uh, a very big part of the puzzle piece for him he's a senior now um look for him to be able to you know to pinch in and sustain some plays and also take the puck to the net too um it's been a pleasure watching him the last four years um johnny coughlin as well um, up on the blue line comes into the weekend with 10 points in 13 games for the defenseman that's um remarkable no matter where you are mm-hmm. um you're looking at a team that sometimes can have struggle putting goals in the putting pucks in the net but at the same time, you know, if they get you know, the right mindset, can keep them out. Um, I don't think they're – I wouldn't look for an up-tempo game. I'm not looking for – you know, I'm always looking at a team that's going to go back and forth and trade chances with the Colonials. I wouldn't look for a lot of that transitional back and forth with Holy Cross. Um, but if they're playing smart hockey, um, being able to, to keep from, you know, any panic in the back end and working it smoothly through the neutralized areas – they're a team that can actually be opportunistic, and I think that's one thing they're going to. Colonials are going to have to pay attention to throughout 120 minutes. Um, you know, limit the opportunities. Um, you look at the one thing the Colonials have been able to do this past weekend, weekend against Sacred Heart was one thing a goal they wanted to achieve was to start taking a lot less penalties. Um, you know, up until this point of the season, they really have been taking a lot of unnecessary unnecessary penalties. They're characteristic of young hockey teams. And I saw, you know, if you look at the stat sheets and look at some of the replays and highlights, you know, it looked like some of that abated against Sacred Heart. I would look for the Colonials to make that a point of emphasis this week. Once again, don't give them the opportunities, you know, because if you do enough, they could, you know, score that goal that gives them belief. If they've got belief, you're in a, you're in a dogfight. Also, and as Coach Scully had said to me in, in, in our call this week, you know what, you've got to get off to a good start. You know, I mean, you, I know they come in with, you know, not the, quite the record that they would like to have. Holy Cross doesn't. Not right now. They've lost a lot of close ones. But at the same time, if you don't come out with a hot start, I mean, if you don't come out and, you know, dictate the way Colonial Hockey is played in those first 10 minutes of the first periods, um, they could really, you know, every minute you don't get the lead is another minute that they have a little bit more confidence. All right, Gary. Um, it's Robert Morris, Holy Cross, 7 o'clock Friday. 4.05 on Saturday, Gary. They'll see you out there. I won't be there this week. I'm on my short hiatus. So you'll have a couple new guys with you. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that was Gary Heeman. I am Brian Mitchell. I thank you for joining me. Uh, we'll be right back. You can find Gary on Twitter at GHeemanUSCHO. Uh, we're going to switch here, gears here and head over to the women's side of the island where the Robert Morris women were at home against Penn State this weekend, welcoming the Nittany Lions for a two-game set. Uh, big game on Friday night. I was on hand for it. Of course, was the 
traditional teddy bear toss once a year. They try to hold it, and this year it was for Autism Awareness, run by uh, Maggie Legue, and it did not disappoint. They had a great crowd this year. It was a really good crowd for the teddy bear toss. Um, great environment, and I thought they I thought they sold out for the most part. That at least the main side of the uh, bleachers. And they did a good job being able to control that uh, crowd. And and the crowd stayed to be entertained by the hockey game afterwards. And that was a fun time. Was It was a good hockey game. You saw the Robert Morris Clemens get a one nothing lead, of course, off the teddy bear toss. It was a, uh, <laughs> a disputed goal on press row. We all thought that uh, J.C. Gebbard had scored that goal. And it got became a goal by Amber Rennie. Got changed halfway through. Uh, one of the periods, nobody noticed it, and ended up that, uh, you know, it was a nice, uh, the toss had happened, and now we're all enjoying it, game on in second period. Uh, Wazen Rice was able to get her first career goal, and we talked to her afterwards, and she was she was excited about it, you know, it's just one of those things, and I'm going to be talking about that a little bit more later. I'm not sure if it's going to be this week or not, about, uh, you know, some of the stuff that's happened in the first half for the Robert Morris women, but we'll discuss it in a little bit. Uh, J.C. Gebhard was able to get the uh, power play goal that made a difference in the third period to give Robert Morris the 3-2 victory. Uh, Abby Welsh, of course, scored a goal with time expiring. So, yeah, that is how it all played out on Friday night. There was, of course, the skate with the Colonials afterwards. Always a fun time to get out there on the ice and enjoy the time with the, the players. Um, and then on Saturday, Penn State. I, I really don't believe they had too much of a chance on Saturday. I wasn't around. I had a big tournament I was calling last weekend. But Robert Morris was able to take a 4-1 uh, victory away from the Penn State Nittany Lions. J.C. Gebhard with a hat-trick in that contest. Uh, Lauren Bailey got both wins on the weekend for Robert Morris, looking good as usual at this point for her. She's starting to come back around after a shaky middle there. But Robert Morris will go into a big weekend here at 8-8-4. Eight, eight and four. Uh, six one and one in the conference. Nobody in the conference plays for the next month and a half. So the next game that Robert Morris will play will not be until the end of until middle of January against Syracuse in Syracuse. And what that means for everybody, Robert Morris sits in first place in the conference by one point over Mercyhurst. The Colonials at six one and one will sit. Will have that tight that hold that space until Syracuse. And then they have R&T at home whenever they come back. So it is a nice little detail to have for the conference because the way the conference playoffs work, the top two seeds receive buys till day number two, where the conference, uh, the numbers three, four, five, and six teams had to play on the first day. And that's all at the Harbor Center. But it's a little different this year. They moved everything up a day. So when you play on Friday... You'll be playing Friday, Saturday, the week before. Then you will start on Wednesday, the week of, and have to play Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You'll have to play possibly five games in seven days at that point. Sorry, five games in eight days at that point. So that extra day off is going to be huge for these teams. And as you continue to look along at this, it's uh, getting more and more close to the fact that 
if they walk out of Syracuse, now I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if there's a chance and, you know, if they possibly could walk out of Syracuse with four points, they will take the, uh, you know, they will at least be up by nine points going into the following, you know, the following weekend against RIT on on that number three team, uh, which is just going to open up a huge hole for the uh, Robert Morris Colonials to be, you know, for anybody else to get to the Colonials at that point. But uh, that's a huge detail there. But we got to get to that point first, and they've got one more series between now and then, and that is against the number two team in the nation. They will head to Minneapolis, Minnesota to face those Minnesota Golden Gophers. And that those games will be this weekend at 8.05 and I believe 2.05. And that is all. those are Eastern Standard Time starts. So if you're going to get a chance to check, and check them out on the stream and enjoy some women's hockey for the time being, uh, if you're not heading out to the island for the men, of course. But uh, yeah. It was definitely an interesting weekend for the women, and we were uh, excited to be there and check out all their action. You can check us out on BergHockey.com and see everything that we we were able to get you from the weekend. Uh, I know Jared Todd Hunter was out there on Saturday filling in for me, and we'll go from there. All right, we will be right back after this. Hello everybody, Mitch here, and we are talking Mitch's Challenge. Of course, Mitch's Challenge is trying to find the best student section in the PIHL. I'm looking for all classifications. Anytime that I'm in the rink, I'm going to be paying attention to some, a lot of the action, but also the student sections, because I want to see what you guys got out there. I want to see a very rowdy section. I want to see some sections that are having a good time. I want to see you guys do everything short of getting thrown out, anything that could actually stop or harm the game. Bring your signs. Get that face paint on. Have a good time. At the end of the season, whenever I decide who wins Mitch's challenge, they might get something out of it. We're still working on the details for it, but I definitely want to see your best out there. So I don't care who it is, classification, single A, double A, triple A, D2. Bring out your best when I'm in the rink, and we will see you in the rink. Mitch's challenge is always open uh, during the season when I'm back in the rink, but unfortunately I had had some news last Wednesday before I went and uh, recorded the podcast. I will be taking some time off from my in-the-ring coverage for the month of, of December. I had some issues that I had to deal with, and I thank everybody for their reaching out and support of it. I didn't want it to seem like I was giving up on the product, and I, I really do appreciate everything that I do, and I really do enjoy going out and covering all these hockey games, but it does take a uh, a, <laughs> a little bit out of you to do, and... Um, I was worried that going out and being taking a month off in the middle of the season was going to be something that was going to look bad upon our company as a whole and me as an individual, and uh, you guys really made me feel better about that, so I just want to say thank you for that. Um, we're going to switch up. We're going to talk a little bit about some stuff that's on the site right now. Uh, I had an article go out Monday. It was one I've been working on for a while, uh, Blackhawks' Abby Schaefer was a uh, was a hit so far <laughs> in my eyes. Uh, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. 
was something to tell the story of somebody who persevered over uh, injury and was able to look beyond everything and grew into such a leader for her own team. And, you know, that was just an awesome, awesome, awesome uh, story to be able to tell. And uh, thanks to Doug and Abby, the Schaefers, for allowing me to tell it, and Blackhawk for... Uh, you know, given the opportunity there to ha- to talk to them and be able to tell their story. And then today, of course, it was Wednesday, we had a uh, an article drop on Anissa Gamble. And, uh, of course, uh, Anissa Gamble was one of the members of the Robert Morris women's team. She graduated in 2016. She moved along and was doing things for uh, type 1 diabetes. She's doing a lot of research now. If you get a chance to sit back and listen and re- sorry, read the article. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And that's just something that we're trying to tell. And we really would like to have more of that if possible. And if you could do us uh, a favor, if you have a story like that or anything that you want told, don't hesitate. Let us know. We want to tell those stories. We have people that are ready to write, that are interested in these stories, you know, it's a tough, tough world out there to find these, especially whenever you're talking about amateur hockey, and it's not always accessible to get these stories. Like I fell into the Abby Schaefer story. I was at a Blackhawk game covering her against Fox Chapel, and that's how that came about. I noticed that. I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I've actually got another story based on that later. Not story, but it's just something that I'm... Uh, that I was kind of intrigued by that I'll uh, I'll discuss. I'm not 100% sure yet again. It's it's merits, but we'll talk about that when we do our PIHL coverage. But for now, we're going to jump into uh, a Matt Mamros list. It is a it is Headwaters. Matt Mamros is no longer in the picture for this week. He is uh unfortunately sick right now and he will be back next week. He was. He wanted me to make sure I told everybody that he was back next week. He was really concerned that he was going to be forgotten about, and I told. I tried to tell him he wasn't going to be forgotten about. So here's Matt Mamros's headwaters without Matt Mamros involved. And oh boy, here we go. He has sent me this, and I'm going to read it almost verbatim. I might have to add lip a little bit. Dearest Mitch and the Pittsburgh Hockey Digest crew, Our headwaters ship has been knocked off course while searching for treasure to sell to replace Liam's iPhone, and our crew finds himself in deep jungles, no unknown left alone fighting off Air Force Falcons, AIC Yellow Jackets, Bemidji State Beavers, Bowling Green State Falcons, Colorado College Tigers, University of Maine Black Bells, Bears, UNH Wildcats, Penn State Nittany Lions, Vermont Catamounts, Lindenwood Lions, RIT Tigers, Princeton Tigers, Brown Bears. Uh, if necessary, Mitch, please cut this note to just to include Lions and Tigers and Bears, LOL. Hope this headwaters in a bottle finds a shore and makes it in time for this week's segment. Captain Matt will return in next week's episode. Sincerely, Captain Matt, current captain of the SS Headwaters. He's probably going to need a talking to after this one. Hashtag Berg Hockey NCAA. Jack Dugan of Providence College this weekend in a 1-1 tie. He had so far has had 
13 games played, 6 goals, 10 total points. Sorry, 10 assists, 16 total points. Austin Lemieux is injured. We have no idea when he will return for Arizona State. Olivia Villani came in and played against Robert Morris this weekend for Penn State. Maddie Mill we have Maddie Mills, who was here two weeks ago for Cornell. Uh, in 13 games played, has scored seven goals and added eight assists. Uh, in the NCAA, the scoring race watch, J.C. Gebbard is currently tied for first in points in the NCAA. Uh, with Elizabeth Chaguer of Clarkson. Uh, he wants to say things to watch this weekend. Does Jaybird keep pace in the scoring race despite playing University of Minnesota? We'll find out this weekend. If this was Vegas, I'd bet my wallet on it. CWHL is getting ready for their all-star break, so they don't really have any updates there. Uh, the Proberg Hockey this week... Belongs to those who walk with Elias. Congrats to the former RMU big man on his first career goal. I believe he's referring to Elias Gantus. Greg Gibson, 13 goals, 15 assists in 22 games in Germany. Spencer Dorowitz has five points in 11 games for Cincinnati. Brady Ferguson, 25 points in 21 games for Newfoundland. Patrick Gall had a super sick goal this week. It was in the ECHL top play of the week. Uh, he has three goals and three assists for six points in 16 games so far for South Carolina. Daniel Levins, one goal, six assists, four, seven points in 14 games. Zach Lynch getting back on the score sheet this weekend. Five goals, seven assists for the Nailers. Rob Mann, to assist for Orlando of the ECHL. Robert Powers of Indy was just in Wheeling last weekend. Two goals, five assists for seven points. Scott Jacklin, one goal, 13 assists for Shamonix France. Cody Wido, 14 goals, 13 assists for in 22 games for 27 points. In USHL, we had a couple players, uh, Connor McEachran, six goals, 10 assists for 16 points in 20 games for Youngstown. Johnstown on an absolute tear right now. Cameron Haybear has 12 goals, 27 assists for 39 total points in 28 games played. Roman Kramerson's going down for 12 games, three goals, six assists. Johnstown leads the East Division of the ECH, sorry, the NAHL. Not used to Johnstown being in the ECHL. I'm an old school guy. Johnstown to the NAHL in the East Division leads by 17 points at, after 28 games. At 24 and four, they have won 17 in a row. If you have an opportunity to head down to Johnstown, now here's the stat that's going to blow your mind. 28 games. The team has scored 121 goals. In their division, they are almost 50 goals heavier than the next best team. That's Jamestown at 14-8. and 17-point lead. They have a 54-goal differential. If you get an opportunity to head down to the first Summit Arena at the Cambria County War Memorial, please give it a shot. They are absolutely on a tear, and they're led by Samuel Solensky. 
16 goals, 29 assists for 45 points. Uh, he has three game-winning goals. Carson Briere right behind him with uh, 20, 18 goals, 21 assists. He has seven game-winning goals so far. And then, of course, Cameron Hebert right behind him with 12 goals, 27 assists for 39 points. They are absolutely on fire right now at the War Memorial. So they have four of the top five leading scorers in the East in the NAHL right now. Get somebody in the rink, even if I have to go with AWIS for some interviews. Don't worry. I'll get there at some point. And his final thoughts for the week, it doesn't belong to Wido for once. It belongs to Johnstown. And JC also doesn't. I'm upset. Return, who knows, maybe. So that was Matt Mamros writing in. Uh, we're going to have a little chat with him afterwards. But, uh, yeah, that was an interesting little segment for Matt to chime in on. Thank you for chiming in, Matt. We'll talk to you later about that. Uh, we're going to have a little sit-down discussion about all this at some point. Uh, but with that being said, we're going to get into our high school coverage. And we've already gone over our player and goaltender of the week. But uh, one thing that I noticed in my journeys of looking at what's going on in high school hockey and some things, nice little notes and details that I try to come up with every week, one popped out today and I wanted to uh, really just discuss it a little bit. Just a small amount, not much. And you know I'm, I'm a little bit leaning towards you know, women's hockey and the growth of the sport. And I'm not trying to douse everybody with everything, all women's hockey all the time. That's not something that I'm trying to do. And I apologize if it seems like it's, it's that way. But it's something that's important to me, and I think that it's going to be important going forward to a lot of people. So one thing that popped up to me this week happened in Indiana. And that was a showdown at the S&T Bank Arena between Wheeling Park and Indiana. Uh, your two starting goaltenders were... Madison Barker, the four-year starter for Indiana, and a phenomenal goaltender in her own right. Uh, she ended up getting a shutout in this game. And Dorothy Ramonic, and she's, of course, from Wheeling Park. And I, I don't have any details. I don't. There, there's not statistics kept well enough for me to give you a correct answer to this, but to see two female goaltenders to face off in a PIHL game is pretty cool. And one of them to get a shutout in that game is even cooler. So congratulations to both of them. And you're just seeing it progress more and more. And I'm going to get out of, you know, this row. We're going to get into the recaps now. With We're going to start in double A, where five games were contested throughout the week. On Thursday night, it brought a pair of blowouts to the scoreboard as Matthew Trzitzki had three goals and an assist in a 13-1 Hempfield victory over Armstrong at the Belmont Complex. Isaiah Forsyth registered five points as Nathan Penicella, Daniel Pronin, Nick Lippa, Aiden Dunlop, Matthew Bartis, and Christian Konetska each had three points in the victory. Hunter Knobloch scored a hat-trick and Will Stutz went 2-2 two and two as the Pine Richland Rams shut out the Plum Mustangs 13-0 at Barrel. Jordan Rosenbaum and Nick Lindauer each had three points in the victory. James Saber and Dor Daniel Stauffer split time in net for the shutout. Dylan Roebuck had a hat trick and an assist in a 5-3 Quaker Valley victory over Pentrafford at Center Ice Arena on Monday. Cole Musser and Joshua Bemis added a goal for the Quakers. 
Jack Hughes had all three goals for the Warriors. Hempfield kept the foot on the gas Monday night as the Spartans received four goals and three assists from Jared Gerger en route to a 13-0 victory over Shaler at Kirk Nevin Arena on Monday. Trzitzky and Trent Gray had two goals and a helper each, and Bardis registered four assists. A battle of the best in AA took place at Barrel as the Panthers of Upper St. Clair paid visit to the Rams of Pine Richland. In a tilt, it saw the Panthers lead early, only to have the Rams run off seven of the next eight and take an 8-3 victory for their ninth victory of the season. Lindauer scored twice and had a t two assists, while Jared er Eggert had four assists and Will Stutt had three points in the victory. Daniel Stouffer registered a solo shutout in the contest. Standings look like this. Pine Richland opened their lead in the Northwest four points as the 9-0 Rams have 18 points over the 7-2 Mars Fighting Planets. Hampton sneaks into third place with 10 points and Moon holds third place with 9 points. Armstrong, Quaker Valley, and Shaler are all tied with 5 points each. Hempfield jumps into a tie with Upper St. Clair for the first spot in the Southeast as the 7-2 Spartans and 6-1 0-2 Panthers are knotted at 14 points. Greater Latrobe is two points behind at 6-2, and, and the 4-3-0-2 Franklin Regional Panthers have 10 points. Penn Trafford, Baldwin, and Plum are right behind with 8, 7, and 6 points respectively. Our Player of the Month, Justin Adamski of Hampton, is tied with Hempfield's Matthew Trzitzky for the classification lead with 22 points. But Pine Richland's Will Stutt and Hempfield's Jared Gerger have 21 points each and right on their tails. Jared Eggert, Alexander Walker, and Anthony Carone are tied for 5th with 20 points. PR's Daniel Stouffer leads the Netminers with a 9.27 save percentage, followed by Moon's Luke Conisay at 9.23. Daniel Mitchell of Mars sits in 3rd with a 9.20 save percentage, and Darren Resmizic at 9.08. Franklin Regional's Danny Soltes is good for fifth with a 900 save percentage. And just for the record, so everybody knows, you have to play a minimum of 300 minutes to qualify for the top five every week. Single A saw 10 games played this week. Liam O'Neill scored a goal and had an assist. And Ryan Kozlo, Tyler Rodney, and Ian Keller added goals for North Hills in a 4-2 victory over Blackhawk at Brady's run on Thursday. Connor Hoffman scored two goals and two assists for Freeport in their victory over Beaver at Belmont. David Gaspersik scored one goal and added three assists. And Alex Colfish had two goals and an assist. Sean Fennell stopped 17 of 18 in the win. Luke Kwakov had a hat trick and an assist in a 4-0 Indiana victory over Wheeling Park at S&T Bank Arena. Eddie Williams notched three assists. And Madison Barker stopped all 18. 18 shots in the victory. This is the game I was referring to earlier. South Fayette and Westmont Hilltop exchanged three goal periods and added a goal in the th each end of the goal in the third, but South Fayette ultimately won the contest in a shootout 5-4. Hunter Parch had a goal and an assist for Westmont Hilltop, and Ethan Zemanski netted two for the Lions. Brendan Leach scored twice and added five assists as the Bulldogs as Meadville defeated Deer Lakes 11-3, Nick France and Ryan Schleppelman each nodded five points, and Alex Yeager had three points in the victory. 
Spencer Abraham led all scale, skaters with five points as Wheeling Park defeated Kiski Area 8-6 at Center Ice Arena. Colin Howe had three points and Ryan Welsh had two goals for Kiski. Ryan Cantor scored twice for Chartiers Valley as the Colts defeated Norwin 5-3 at the Mount Lebanon Rec Center. Jacob Daly had a hat trick for the Knights. Andrew Beck, Matthew Haducevic, Tommy Gordon, they all scored twice and had an assist each in an 8-6 Swickley Academy victory over Blackhawk. Joseph Pagani had two goals for the Cougars. South Park held a 4-1 lead and held off Metsevi Kurlovic's ferocious attack at the end to hold on for a 4-3 victory over the Crushers of Bishop McCourt. Justin Metrick scored twice for the Eagles. Montour will take its 8-0 record and hold on to a two-point lead in the north over 7-1 West Allegheny and 7-2 Meadville. North Hills sit in, sits in fourth with a 6-3 record with Swickley Academy at 5-4 behind them. Freefort, Fox Chapel, Blackhawk, Deer Lakes, and Beaver round out that division. 6-3 Norwin and 5-3 oh, and 2 Westmont Hilltops sit atop the east with 12 points each. And 5-3 and Bishop McCourt trails the two with 10 points. 4-3 oh, and 1 Indiana sits in fourth with 9 points. And Greensburg-Salem and Kiski area sit in fifth and sixth. 8-1 South Fayette holds a three-point lead on 6-2 Owen 1 South Park and 4 over 6-1's Thomas Jefferson. Chartiers Valley, Wheeling Park, Wheeling Catholic are 4-5-6 currently. Nicholas France leads single A in scoring with 37 points, while teammate Brendan Leach has 29. Matthew Huducevic sits in third with 27 points, and Montour's Richard Froelich and Michael Felsing round out the top five with 26 and 25 points respectively. South Fayette's Bruce Hardman, 9.45 save percentage, paces the classification, followed at 9.33 by Goalie of the Month, Joshua Ferry of West Allegheny. North Hills' Ethan's Isley is in third with the 9.27, while TJ's Luke Rapepi is at 9.06, and it's good for fourth. Crusher goaltender Cole Bradley sits in fifth with an 8.92 save percentage. In Division Two, seven games took place in the classification this week. Quinton Smith scored four goals for Morgantown in an 8-0 victory over Trinity at the Morgantown Ice Arena on Thursday. Braden Phillips scored once and added two assists. Blake Phillips stopped 21 pieces of rubber that he faced in the win. Christian Bohan scored twice and Benjamin Crubert added the game winner in the second as Central Valley defeated Knock 3-2 at Brady's run. Jacob Golab scored for the Knights. Noah Schroeders netted a hat trick and an assist in a 9-3 Ringgold victory over Morgantown. Evan Eberlin, Justin Day, and Bradley Budos scored two goals apiece for the Rams. Quinton Smith and Braden Phillips had a goal and an assist each for Morgantown. Carrick defeated Central Valley 5-2 at the Ice Castle. Aiden Barker, Michael Farkle, Gavin McCain and Tyson Feldman had two points each for Carrick. Tyler Stewart had two goals and two assists in a 7-2 Burrow victory over Connellsville. The Bucks and the Falcons both skated shorthanded, with eight players suiting up for the Burrow Bucks and Connellsville having nine. Garrett Gellner scored twice and added an assist for Trinity as they defeated McDowell 6-3 at Prince Scape Arena. Dominic Bartell scored twice for McDowell. 
Neshanik received three goals from Terrence Rice en route to a 4-1 win over Nock at the Alpha Ice Complex. Carson Burkhart started 17 of 18 in the win. Burrow currently leads the Division 2 at 10-0. That's good enough for a four-point lead over 8-2 Ringgold. Neshanik sits in third at 7-2-0-1. While 6-2-0-2 Connellsville falls to fourth in a tie with 6-3 Central Valley. Carrick, Nock, Bishop Canavan, Morgantown, Trinity, and McDowell will round out the remainders. Tyler Stewart jumps to the top of the classification with 36 points, and he's followed by Bucks teammate Dylan Zelanka with 33. Ryan Brown has 32 points, and Gregory Hench has 23 points for Connellsville, but Buck Jonas Sopko will round out the top five with 22 points. With the 300-minute roll in play, Andrew Burkett leads Division Two with a 9.26 save percentage, and that's followed by Sebastian Skarzenski with a 9.18. Carson Burkhardt has a 9.05, and Evan Cook has an 8.90. Colin Bisbee at an 8.79 is right behind Evan Cook. In AAA, there were only four games contested this week. Cathedral Prep rolled over Cannon Mack. 5-1 at the strength of a Jacob Krzyzewski hat trick. Luke Moon added a goal and an assist for the Ramblers. Dylan Watkins scored all three goals for the Tigers in a 3-1 victory over Butler. Richard Carpondi stopped 21 of 22 in the win for North Allegheny. Christian Caparelli and Ronan Junker had three points apiece for Central Catholic as they defeated Cathedral Prep 6-4. At the Alpha Ice Complex, Norbert McDermott stopped 34 of 38 that he faced. Anthony Sandora had two goals and two assists, while Wyatt George and Luke Husak had one goal and three assists apiece in an 8-4 victory over Cannon McMillan for the Mount Lebanon Blue Devils. Samuel Mitchell had two goals in the victory for the Blue Devils. The North Allegheny Tigers have a stranglehold on the AAA conference right now. At 8-1 and one with 16 points, they lead Peters Township by 4 points, at a six, who are 6-2. and two. Central Catholic by 5 points at 5-4, and 0-1. Oh Bethel Park is right behind them in a three-way tie for fourth place with Mount Lebanon and Seneca Valley, all three teams at 5-3. and three. Butler is... It's six points at four, uh, two and five. Cannon McMillan is at two and seven for four points. Cathedral Prep, one and eight with two points. That gives you your standings for AAA. Well, look who's back. We got a tie for first in AAA scoring. It's Johnny McDonald of Cannon McMillan and Wyatt George of Mount Lebanon. Each have 14 points. Jacob Krasetsky of Cathedral Prep has 13 points, while J.C. Bell of Bethel Park has 12 points in a tie with Jeremy Anthos of P.T. Richard Carapondi is running away with the goaltender title here. 9.62 save percentage on a 7-0 record right now leads the conference. Aiden Campbell right behind him with a 9.35. Norbert McDermott of Central Catholic has a 904. 
and then go all the way down to Seth Faulkner of Cathedral Prep with an 887. There, you had to have 300 minutes to be able to qualify for this for this level. We had a bunch of guys who were close, but not over yet. Uh, Connor Strobel's just underneath. Brock Sharva is just underneath that level. Bradley Weaver of Mount Lebanon just underneath that level. We had a bunch of guys who were close. Uh, Nicholas Goimond of Bethel Park is just underneath that level. All right, guys, I tried to keep it simple this week. Um, once again, I would like to thank our two winners this week, the Bardowski Player of the Month. That is Justin Adamski of Hampton and our goaltender of Brozone Goaltender of the Month, which is Joshua Ferry of West Allegheny. I will personally be in the rink for both of your contests to award you, I believe, Adamski. It'll be next Monday. I will be at Center Ice Arena to give you your award. Do a little interview here, and we'll talk before. And even though I was out, I can't help but get drugged back in. Ferry, I will be out at the Barrel Ice Complex for the big contest against Montour. Uh, give you everything that you received for yours. Um, I can't stay away. I tried. Um, but, you know, at least this is minimal of what, what I'm going to do. Uh, get out there. Support local hockey where you can. Uh, do everything you can to make sure that you know, there's support for this group that, you know, is out there busting their buns every week, regardless of level that they're playing in. And uh, some of these hard, the hardest workers I've ever seen, they play five days a week. Some of these guys are play, are practicing after playing, practicing before playing, missing practice because they're playing. Uh, it, just get out there and support the best you can with what you can for these young players. Uh, they're out there working hard. And they're trying to realize a dream. So with that being said, I'm Brian Mitchell. I would like to thank Gary Heeman for coming on. Uh, Matt Mamros for getting sick. So I had to get a letter this week. Uh, it's going to be a short one this week. Once again, everybody, enjoy the rest of your night. I'll see you maybe in January. It might be sooner than that. But we'll see how it plays out. I'll see you in the ring. Take care, guys. <laughs>